So there's a lot of things going around in the world. And um, a lot of people look at the things going around and there's stuff going on in our hearts and we also know that there's stuff going on in their hearts. Um, we just came out of 4th of July time. And as you know, 4th of July means freedom. Freedom brings a different word to everybody's heart. Some people the same, some people different. Some people remember the part called Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. It's actually written in our declaration. We want to have life. We want to pursue happiness. Some people remember the part about our um, beginnings of the nation and how it's about religious freedom. However, what happens when your freedom conflicts with somebody else's freedom? There's a conflict. Um, there's conflicts of ideas and thoughts and beliefs. Some people look at the idea of free will. What is free will? Christians is one of the few religions that has free will. You get to choose God or to not choose God. He did not, he could have created robots. He could have created robots that will do every single thing exactly how he wanted, but he chose to give us free will. He chose to give Adam and Eve free will. So who planted the two trees in the garden? God did. He planted both trees, not just one. And a lot of times we see freedom as we get to choose whatever, but we get the choice to try to choose to make the better choice most of the time. However, a lot of people, when they see freedom, they want freedom to have the... Oops. They want freedom to have the... the um, they want freedom from the effect of the cause that was created. I had a joke that I forgot to tell at the beginning. So I'm going to tell the joke now. So what do women want? They want a rich, handsome husband. No, they don't want a rich, handsome husband. They want to eat all the cupcakes they want to and never gain a pound. And you guys think it's funny, right? You think it's funny because you would like to have the freedom to do whatever you want and not have the side effects. One of the uh, places that I talk a lot about is like cause and effect. You have a cause and that cause creates an effect. If you take a rock and you throw it into a pond, you're going to get ripples. I was looking up some stuff in nutrition and I ran across a amusing video. I'm not going to show the whole video because it's long. But I like science, I like math, and somebody did the mathematics of losing weight, it caught my interest. Um, you could read all of the books, you could watch a ton of videos, and what you actually end up finding out is that you have to eat less exercise more. 
that's that's simple. I mean, you you could choose your nutrition and everything, but still, you got to eat less calories, exercise more. And he did a lot of wonderful math about where the fat goes, and the fat doesn't just disappear; it comes out as in water and carbon dioxide. Your fat breaks down. Atoms don't get just disappear. Atoms have to go through transition processes. There's a lot of math, a lot of science in there. But honestly, you exercise, you sweat, your fat disappears. When we talk about many other places, we want to have freedoms.、Um, we want to be able to have kingdom with no king. But here in church, we know we need a king. We need that king of kings. But we want that freedom. One of the easiest things to actually see or illustrate is this. So before we have discovered all the math and all the science of what makes things go up and down, it has impacted the whole world. Before we actually understood the math, so any time I throw this up, it comes back down. We now have a word for it called gravity, and gravity impacts all of us. You can't escape gravity. Oh yes, I could fly an airplane. Yeah, you can. So, airplanes. If you get an airplane and you fly it. Eventually, it will lose the propulsion, the fuel, whatever, whatever flies the airplane, and it will fall to the earth. So, like, well, satellites orbit around the earth, but they have a certain amount of propulsion up there. They have to adjust their orbit, and if they don't adjust their orbit, they slowly fall to the earth. If you go out into outer space, our Earth is subject to gravity around the sun. The moon is subject to gravity around the Earth and the sun. All the planets go around the sun, and guess what? The sun goes around the Milky Way. The Milky Way travels through the universe, all impacted by gravity. We have black holes that suck in planets and suns, all impacted by gravity. You can't escape it. You can say. I don't believe in gravity, but everybody kind of look at you, going, "What? <laughs> That doesn't make gravity not impact your life. It just doesn't do that work that way." You know, all all of our sports actually have all kinds of physics involved in sports. In roller coasters, I was walk, driving past、uh, Six Flags the other day. The roller coasters weren't out yet, but that's fine.、Uh, but that is just a nice big giant physics experiment. They're fun physics experiments to be involved in. Sports is a great physics experiment to be involved in. But just like gravity, uh, God is all around us. Whether you believe. Or do not believe, he still impacts your life. 
Um, you can't escape it. So God created all these wonderful laws of the universe. And this is why when I look at physics, when I look at math, I see God's, um, God's presence. Uh, Romans 20, or 120, For since creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature, can clearly be seen because they are understood through what he has made or has been made. So people are without excuse. So examples like gravity, examples like uh, your calories being burnt or not burnt, your exercise, your, uh, the things you do, the car going into motion, are all under the laws that God created. And a lot of them are great examples. Exactly like you can't you know, get away from God's laws. So, what happens when you don't listen and you decide to, you know, not obey? You're still impacted by it. And we see this. Um, one of the examples of a physical, phys a physical law turning, or a phys civil law turning into a spiritual law, to me, is traffic. So, uh, who doesn't drive? So I know there's one, maybe a couple that don't drive. You're supposed to go the speed limit, right? So when it says 40, that means 40, right? Most of us feel a permission to go, let's say, five over. We'll just be nice. We know that five over, we won't get caught. We go, unless it's a school zone. Five over, we won't get in trouble. But if you drive five over, you start feeling entitled to that five over. You're like, I have a right to drive five over the speed limit. And guess when that right starts showing? When you feel entitled, when it starts showing is when you get behind somebody that's driving 40. You're like, you get something happens inside where you're upset about the person driving the exact speed limit. There is something going on. It's something spiritual going on, actually. <laughs> if it goes too bad, <laughs> then we have, you know, things being done outside of, you know, what you're not supposed to do, like people getting upset and road rage and all that fun stuff. And if you really want to test it and not break the law at ever, go ahead and drive the speed limit. You'll see everybody else's anger at you. <laughs> They'll get angry. They will say words that you won't hear because the windows are rolled up. It's Texas, wonderful Texas. The windows are rolled up. You can't hear what they say, but your imagination knows what they're saying. They may wave at you with a special wave. They'll get upset at you for, going, for keeping law. That's just, a, that's just a civil law that brings out something else in us that's very ugly. Another example that I know of, and this kind of goes a little bit more into what I know. Uh, when I was in college, there was a 16-year-old girl I knew. She was beautiful. Um, she felt that freedom to go do whatever she wanted to, even though her mom said no. But her mom couldn't stop her. It just was just one of the situations. 
in one year, only one year, she aged uh, about 10 to 15 years in her face. She went from being something very beautiful to, she was still kind of beautiful, but she didn't look just like she went from 17 to 21. No, she looked from like 17 to 30. There was something in her face that just, it's like the life got sucked out of her in one year. And I kind of knew some of the backstory of what she was going through and what's happened. I didn't know of any, you know, illness or anything, but she was just living the life. She was out partying, staying up late doing things that I'm not going to talk about in church, but just one year. And there are metals that God created that um, stuff happens to it, and if you don't uptake it or keep it, it's like corrosion. We have to actually worry about corrosion in the sound systems stuff. You have to actually clean things because if, if the corrosion will start corrupting it, so you have beautiful life, you enter in some sin, and you start getting decayed, corroded life. And I've seen it happen over and over. Not just this one girl, I've seen it happen in multiple people. And it's, it's a little bit odd at first because as a, as a young adult, I was looking at this girl and going, what happened to you? But trying not to say it. Trying to like, oh yeah, tell me what, uh, how you've been doing. <laughs> I try to be nice and cheerful, and they tell me these things, and I'm like, like, oh. And it, it just, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you just feel like, are you, are you sure about this? You know, um, how many people have like seen like home video things where people do things that you're like, oh no, don't do that. Oh, you just did that. <laughs> you see them, they're on Facebook, they're on the YouTube. And you know that somebody's going to get hurt. He's <laughs> probably the person, you know, saying, hey, look at this. Um, earlier this year, I saw two boys decide to do some skateboard stunt. They're 16, and they decided to light their pants on fire. Then they had to figure out how to fix this. <laughs> Somebody was actually sitting there with a video of actually filming the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know why they weren't helping <laughs> Maybe, um, actually, it could have been just a setup camera because they had the stunt prepared. But, you know, just lighting your pants on fire. Well, what goes through the brain of lighting the pants on fire? How does this turn out good? And so I see people, and they're doing things that look like they're lighting their pants on fire. I'm like going, no. But they survive. Okay, good. You're survived. But they have the scars from what happened and it really hurts the heart they they want to live with no rules they want the rules to not apply to them and yeah there's some ignorant you know there's some people you know like we don't it's it's not fair we don't have a manual to our life yes we do um there are some countries that don't have these and guess what? Some, some of us get so much like, oh, we have to do something about it. We get that in our heart, and we send out missionaries. I love that it's Mission Sunday, because that's what we're doing. We're helping people get manuals to life and teaching. And some people might like, well, this is hard. Well, you know what? We have people to talk to, and we have church. Church helps a lot. 
knowing Jesus and learning about Jesus helps a lot. So, here's another equation. You have sin, or you have life, you interject sin, and then you bring in God, bring in Jesus, bring in God, bring in the Holy Spirit, and he begins a restoration of life. He takes what is corroded and he cleans it. And there might be a process, but he does clean it. So, when I was listening to a lot of different things and coming up with what I wanted to say here, I found a story to me that is very appropriate. In, um, in David's time, or basically in the Old Testament time, God created a covenant with Israel that they would make this pretty box called the Ark and that God's presence would live in there. Now, I know that God's presence is everywhere, but not just in the ark. But God's presence would live in that ark. And so, when the Israelites would go into battle, they would carry the ark. And they knew God was with him. God was with us. And they would win battles when God's presence was with us. Then they stopped following God, but they would still carry the ark. They, it was kind of like a good luck charm to them at that point. It's kind of like people that go to church but don't follow Jesus. You do, you put the ark, you go do your thing, but you're not following God. So God allowed the ark to be stolen by the Philistines. Uh, I think Jason told me twice. I didn't actually look up the numbers, but at least once, definitely, possibly twice, possibly multiple times. The ark was stolen from them. Now, it was stolen because the Israelites were not honoring and respecting the ark. They weren't looking at, they weren't revering their option, their, their, not option, um, their opportunity to revere the presence of God. They were just walking through the motions. The Philistines got the ark. They didn't like it either. They took it to a city. The whole city got hemorrhoids. They just took it to another city. That city got hemorrhoids. They put it in one of their temples, and it killed their god. Yeah, the statue fell down, lost its head, and lost its hands. So they decided that this is not working. We're going to give it back to the Israelites. And this is the beauty of it. When, as they were bringing it back, David wasn't sure how to carry the ark correct, get the heart carried correctly, so they had it on a cart. And some mistakes were made. One person died. And so they took it to the nearest believer's house and dropped it off. Guess what happened? Not hemorrhoids. Blessing. Everything in that house was blessed because... They revered God. They honored the presence. They honored the ability to have the ark in their property. And everything was blessed. That is restoration. That is restoration of life coming back.
when, um, you know, I told the story about the girl that aged like 15 years in one year. There's a couple pastors I've been following their videos of. And initially, one of them is a lady. I looked at her and I was like, she do something with her hair? She like change her makeup or something? She looks younger. And then there's a guy pastor I've also been following. I watch his sermons over time. And I've been looking at like, he's looking younger. I don't think he's just going to the beauty shop. Because guys tend, they might dye their hair, but they don't go to the beauty shop for makeovers. And listening to Times Over Sermon, they both mention it. Um, that somehow God has restored youth to them. They're following God, they're worshiping, they're cleaning off the junk in their lives, and God has restored something. They have restored youth. And I'm sure there's more. I just really haven't been like watching videos over the last, you know, so many years for stuff. I've actually seen people look more beautiful coming out of the sozo than in the sozo. They walk in the sozo, they walk out of the sozo, something's beautiful about them. There, there's just, there's an inner glow that just comes about. God's presence can restore youth, can restore the things that have been taken from us, the things that have been broken. It's not just, it's not just, um, just for some people, God actually can restore everything. Back to his design, back to his original design. If, you know, I have a cute little car out there and I take care of it. I have heard horror stories of people that didn't put gas in. They get so far and then they complain to the manufacturer that the car stopped. And the car person goes, you didn't know you had to put gas in that thing? Oh, so they get gas and it works again. And even worse horror stories, people that never change the oil, where their engine burns up and they're upset because they didn't know. With some money there, you can actually take it back to the dealership or to your car brand person and you can get the card restored. If we take the original design of how we're supposed to be, and if we get off, we could go to God, and he will help restore back. If we don't know whether we believe in Jesus or not, it will still start corrupting. And when... I was thinking of something that I can't remember. So you walk, you believe, and it works. Oh, I remember. God is not upset. He is not concerned if you actually have to ask the important question, does God exist? It's an important question, by the way. Because until you answer that question... You're believing somebody else's faith, not your faith. So, even myself, I got it. I asked, asked, 
asked that question. So I was trying to figure out where to go because I, what I knew from my kid, my childhood kind of disintegrated and I was trying to figure out where I'm going. So I sat down, just turned off all distractions, asked, okay, does God exist? I'm like, yeah, I know too much. I know God is, I know there is a God, a being that is greater than me that has done all these things in my life. I can't say that God does not exist. So we go to the next question, which God is it? And I looked at what I knew and I knew I had a choice of two. It was either the Jewish God or the Christian God because that's the nature of the God that I have met. I couldn't disprove this with science or physics or anything else. I knew it was God, and I knew it was either the Jewish or the Christian God. So you go to the third answer. Do I believe Jesus is real? And I took, and I looked at all this proof, and I knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus exists. So the guess what? That means I know that the Christian God is the God I need to walk, walk, walk with. I can't ignore that. It's a fact to me. It's a fact to me like this is a tennis ball. You could call it anything else, but I know this is a tennis ball. It's a fact. And so I know that God truly existed in my life. And if, if somebody is trying to answer that question, don't get discouraged because they need to answer that question for themselves. You can give them information. You can remind them of experiences. You can give them all these reasons, but they still have to answer their own question. Many of you have answered that question. Um, but I know there's families that have people that they love and one of the things I do when I uh, take communion is I actually pray for my family members that don't know God. I pray for them to be called home. And I encourage you to keep praying. I asked God once, you saved by family. So when the Israelites were walking out of Egypt, they sacrificed one lamb for their whole family. So that one lamb saved their whole family. God looks at family. So I guess, God, what do you consider family? Because right now it's just Jason and I. And my parents are saved and my sister saved. And so how far, he's like, how far do you want to go? Ooh, wait a minute. Does that mean my fifth cousin twice removed is still family? Yes. Those that I don't even know the name of, they're still family. Yes. Friends that I call family, that, that includes them too. So I pray for them to come home. And this song, there's a song that goes with this, just really hit me as I was actually preparing this. And I love the Passion Translations version of this. So I live with a confidence. There is nothing in the universe 
with the power to separate from us from God's love. I am convinced that his love will triumph over death, over troubles, over fallen angels or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present future, present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. So keep praying. Pray that they will have encounters because those encounters was part of my first step. I encountered God as a kid. And I, when I actually asked that question, I remembered my encounter. And then my second step, where I tried to figure out what is, you know, I mean, there's, there's this belief that I believe, but is, it, is this the real belief? I took that encounter and I listened to the heart of that encounter. And I knew it was Father God. It was God the Father the uh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I knew, because it followed that nature. And I knew that it was Jesus that died for my sins. And you know what? While I was going through all my dark times as a teen, a, teen, a young adult, not a teen, young adult, um, as I was going through all those dark times, my mom was praying. I know my grandma was praying. But, you know, grandmas get to a certain age and they, you know, fade out of our life. But my, I know my mom was praying. She would tell me that. She's like, okay, yeah, I, you're good. Now you need to find a church. I'm praying about that too. You need to find a home church. I'm like, okay. I have to work on Sundays? Yes, I know. I'm still praying. My mom was praying for me. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is God. And he is in all of our lives. And he wants to save all of your family. Not just you. Not just your spouse. Not just your mom and dad. Not just your siblings. He wants to save the whole family. So extend your family and pray for them. And know that you can't escape God's love. Just like you can't escape gravity. You may be able to fly in a plane for a little while, but you still can't escape gravity. So I'm going to ask anybody that's an elder or prayer servant to come forward. And I want anybody that has family that needs to be prayed for, for uh, people to pray about their family coming home. Thank you.